0: Shut up and sit
1: down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, one of the best places to ride in America: the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis.
0: You know, riding the long, lonesome highway or back roads aren't always the smoothest. Hitting the occasional pothole or rut can take its toll on your ride. Whether it has two wheels or four, keep Heartland Honda in Springdale in mind. They can service and repair your on-road or off-road vehicle. And when it's time for something new or pre-owned, Heartland Honda in Springdale can fix you up. Check him out online at heartlandhonda.com or give him a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda, work hard, play hard. You meet the nicest people at Heartland Honda. About 10 years ago, my best buddy talked me into buying a motorcycle so we could go touring around the Ozarks Mountains.
1: The rides were amazing. One weekend, I couldn't go, but he went anyway. Tim was topping a hill on a big curve and was hit head-on by a car passing an RV. Thankfully, he survived. And thankfully, he had Schmidt Law Firm on his
0: side. I do too.
1: Motorcycle accidents happen. Schmidt Law Firm will prove negligence and help you get full recovery. Find them online at kansascitylawyers.com. Put Schmidt Law Firm on your side of the table because motorcycle accidents do happen. Well, welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Randy Boom Boom Lewis from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri. So, what has been going on with you this week?
0: Shit, man. Just freaking beating up the streets and just working, working, working. I sold that V-Rod. Yeah, you said
1: you had to deliver it to Tennessee. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was a a good little trip. So, work a 10-hour day at the shop, go watch my son play baseball, leave out of here about 9.30. Drive an hour south, or a little bit south of Nashville. Got there about 4 o'clock in the morning. Tried catching some sleep in a parking lot. Didn't freaking work. Met the guy at about 6.30, back on the road by 7.30, and drove straight back. Simple as that. Easy peasy. Probably See what
1: you will do for money? Oh, shit, dude. And we it just yeah. as a courtesy to our listeners... I won't even mention what you'll really do for money,
0: <laughs> unless you want some Because I need money.
1: <laughs> you could have all the money in the world, and your attitude would still be, "I need some money."
0: Yeah, yeah, probably so. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, I, my wife's always on my ass about that too. She's like, "You're so fascinated with money. You're so fascinated with this." And for me, it's not. I mean, uh, there isn't much more attractive than a stack of hundred dollar bills, but it's the possibilities of what I can do with it, and it's a, it's stupid. And it's probably because I was freaking dirt floor poor growing up, never had shit type of thing. Always had to work and earn what I wanted or what I needed. It's a gauge on how hard I'm working is how I feel about it. If I'm making money, it means I'm doing something. If
1: I'm not making money, it means I'm being lazy and not not turning work out. Yeah. So now that I have a lot of things to talk about other than I got a couple of ideas. Um we got an email uh, last week about a gentleman that uh, seemed to like the podcast. So all of a sudden, right out of the gate, I'm your your
0: ears perked up a little bit. and your Well, eyes no, got I
1: question his sanity, <laughs> but he had an email for you uh, about a uh, Sport Glide and exhaust.
0: Yes, yes, I do remember that one. My dumbass, I think I replied to the email and sent it to you. So hopefully, you forward that on to him. But as I remember it. Uh, That one was a 2018 Sport Glide, and he was talking about having an exhaust issue. Not really an issue, but wanting something better out of his exhaust. But what he does as far as his riding style is just more casual riding around town, some moderate trips on it. And he didn't want anything too obnoxiously loud. He lives in a kind of residential. He didn't want to wake everybody up, piss everybody off, which I can't remember what the guy's name was. Maybe Sean or something like that. Um, great kudos to you, me. I'm like, eh, I don't give a shit. But hats off, you're a respectable person. I commend you for being a lot better than I am.
1: Thinking about your fellow citizen, yeah, not something we're inclined to do.
0: So what's what's neat and kind of crappy about new new bikes and new exhaust stuff? You know, everybody for years have always wanted loud. Louder is better. Give me the most obnoxious you know, unperforming exhaust or muffler that I could possibly have. That's what I want. Well, this guy, I have to say, is on the right track. You know, he wants something with a little bit better of an exhaust note, a little bit better better tone, probably see a small performance increase, not much. So what he's wanting is it's called a slip-on. So factory head pipe, and then where the muffler attaches, you're just changing the end of it. So essentially right. all you're really doing is changing the
1: sound. Now, you don't have to do anything uh, within the bike itself you mean, to make those work. Yeah, like tuning-wise? Right.
0: No, the general rule of thumb was when you do slip-ons, you don't necessarily have to tune. If you did slip-ons and then changed like, the air cleaner to a high-flow air cleaner, then, yeah, you would more than likely end up having to add a little bit more fuel to it to make sure it's good. Now, if you change the head pipe out and the mufflers, yes, in my opinion, you would want to retune some instances you can get away without because you have a stock air cleaner in my mind it's it's always better to just be on the safe side and not destroy your freaking m8 motor like on his so with his particular situation there's a handful of people making a slip-on muffler so that bike comes stock a two into one it's you know head pipes are split they come into a collector and then they go out to one larger muffler so there's not a or an overabundance of people making that particular slip-on muffler. But there are some out there and the majority of them lean towards performance, lean towards loud. A lot of them want you to buy a headpipe and put this muffler on. So for Sean, I believe it's Sean, for him, what I recommended was, and I'm not a Reinhardt fan in in general, like inherently through the years, I've never liked the way that theirs have sounded. But their new Reinhardt four inch or four and a half inch slip on muffler for the Sport Glide, in my opinion, is just tits. Like it works, it sounds great, it's got a deep, aggressive tone. You can get it in chrome or you can get it in black. I believe that bike comes factory with a, a black muffler, but chromed heat shields on the rest of the bike. So you can get it, I believe you can get it in either one. It's just a really attractive looking pipe, four to four and a half inch round. Nothing fancy, just straight. About the same amount of length. It's going to bolt right up to your factory bracket, so nothing extra. And it has a really deep, aggressive, throaty sound. So when we talk about exhaust systems, the deeper the tone, the less obnoxious it's going to be on everybody else. The higher pitch, the smaller diameter pipes are going to create a higher pitch, more of a pop, more of a really loud, obnoxious tone. That's when you get into the, you know, Killing everybody else's ears. People don't want to ride with you. So, somewhat of in in rule, the larger diameter, the deeper the tone. The smaller diameter, the more high pitched. See, the I phone.
1: thought people didn't want to ride with me because I was a general ass. I had no idea <laughs> it was all about my exhaust.
0: Man, I tell you what, I hear so much of that shit. You know, it's I ah, that guy's got to go in the back, or I don't want to ride with him. His bike's too loud. Uh-huh. You Usually, see it with chopper guys because those guys have no mufflers. It's just as short and as loud as possible. Right. But for him, the other option would be, I believe it's the Cobra 909. I think is what their model is. It's another one. And Cobra pipes usually are pretty decent. You know, they're on the lower retail value or lower end retail price is what I'd say. Not that they're a bad buy or bad pipe or anything. They're just a little bit net lower retail for their mufflers. Now the Cobra 909 is pretty good it's got a little bit louder tone than that Reinhardt. So it's going to be a little bit louder still. Like it's not really very aggressive. It's going to be a couple of bumps over stock. So for But sure, just enough. Yeah. Yeah. It changes the tone a little bit. It gives you that feeling that you're, you're hearing something a little bit better than what factory
1: is. They say the old, the old saying, loud pipes save lives. I, and I've always thought that was a bunch of hooey, but, um, well, I took a test ride the other day, as you know, yeah. uh, on a bike that you have offered in your shop. Yeah. And I was it had stock pipes on it. No, it was not a Harley for those of you out there listening wondering. It I gave was him, I gave it him was so a much victory. shit about the
0: last time you wanted to jump to Harley that now you absolutely cannot go to Harley. No,
1: I can't. It's 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 out of the question. It has to be yeah. a Victory or an Indian. And you didn't have an Indian in your shop. No, nope, I did not. So, nobody wants to get rid of those. So eh, okay. So I took a test ride on this newer Victory, and uh, it had stock pipes on it right out of the factory. And right out of the gate, I was shocked at the comfort level, not only of the ride, but the quietness of not
0: having a loud pipe on.
1: Right, not having. I didn't even have to wear earplugs mm. because my mic is so stinking loud. Yeah, you you can't go very far without fatigue and it just making your head buzz. Yeah, I mean,
0: a lot of people don't, which riders know this, the ear fatigue and wind fatigue, but most importantly, like the ear fatigue, you have a loud set of pipes. You put five, 600 miles on in a day. Yeah. You're going 150, 200 miles on one single stretch where if you're on where you're going to be fifth and sixth gear riding most of that time, gosh, it just absolutely makes your head rattle and your ears. Oh, ringing.
1: you know, people think it's a, it's a fable, but it does. It saps you. Yeah. I really know this does. from experience. It does. So, you know, then you get off at the gas station. You're like, what? Huh? Exactly. And like, and I Shit. do that enough as it is without the loud pipes. <laughs> yeah. So loud
0: pipes are great. Love them. I'll have them for a long, long time. But you and I are different. You know, you're not at the end Old. of your journey, but you're what you're wanting is changing from what I have to something a little bit more easy well, on Well, it's you.
1: it's the progression of everything. I mean, I'm like everybody else. You start out young. You want bad, fast, loud. Yeah, yeah. and um, But then eventually you get to a certain age where you're still riding. You want comfort mm-hmm. and uh, quiet. That's why you see a lot of old codgers riding gold wings. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is true. I mean, true. people
1: that are really serious about cruising, long-distance mm-hmm. cruising. I'm not talking about the guy going down to the grocery store. Um, yeah, so, because it takes a lot out of you and when you're older, you don't have a lot to give, yeah. you know, your tolerance level isn't as high as it was when you were younger. True.
0: Yeah. So when I, when I speak, I speak to a lot of people, see a lot of people, even those old Harley guys that are still have those loud pipe, old vintage bikes kind of cracks me up. I always get to talking with them because I'm enamored by people and shit like that. I like the. The texture of having a conversation with a person. So I was at a couple of bike shows recently. And I mean, guys that 50s, 60s, and they come pulling in. I had a couple of them on knuckleheads, some on panheads, one on a shovelhead. All of them. Loud, customed out, like just cool, right? So I get to talking with it. I'm like, man, you know, that's freaking awesome. You ride, You do you ride this bike? And they're like, yeah, we do a little bit. I'm like, Will you ride still, right? And they're like, oh yeah, we ride but it's just not this bike. I said, all right, well, what do you ride? Right. And it's a typically a stock handle. There's like a stock muffled stock bike, usually heritage, heritage springer. Some of them are riding glides, but they're stock. I said, what's, what's up with that? And they're like, man, if I'm going to go out and ride and I want to enjoy it, this is the bike. It's not loud. I don't have to do anything extra. It's just, it's comfortable. I yeah. hit it. It goes bang. And we go for a ride. He's like, this is just because I love these bikes. I'm like the old, I like the vintage, I'm good at it.
1: And they're great fun to just tootle around on every now and then and to tinker on. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. mechanically inclined. But if you're an older person, you want to get out and put some miles down. That's not the way to go. For sure. You will end up regretting it.
0: Yeah. So it got me thinking about a lot of the other guys that I know in the custom bike scene and world. And I got to thinking about them and the majority of them too. They don't ride those custom bikes. Which... What is they're crazy toy. To, Yeah, it's crazy to me because when I met them, that's what they were riding. You know, these custom bikes, we were logging miles on hardtails, um, just completely uncomfortable motorcycles. And that's what they rode. And that's what attracted me to, you know, striking up a conversation was just that, yeah, this is a dude that's bad. But now as they're getting older, they're riding these stock bikes. And I'm like, hey, what's the deal? And they said, you know, shit, man, you'll find out. But as, as you get older, you know, you don't want to go... Warm up a motorcycle, check the air ride suspension, air it up, check triple trees, check all this stuff to go ride this wildly custom bike.
1: And then when you get to your destination, you're beat down, you're sore, you're yeah. hurting, you're tired. And then you got to check all that shit all over again. Start again.
0: Unfortunately, custom built bikes, they ha- they're they different. You know, the tolerances are different. You're taking parts that either you built or were manufactured and you're melding all these different parts together. You know, some guys do it really, really good and, you know, produce amazing motorcycles. They're very reliable, but even those have some issues. Nobody usually does it better than the factory, you know, in in theory, I guess. Yeah. So I got to thinking about it and I was like, man, is there going to come a point in time where I'm old and I'm just want to go hop on a stock bike and
1: ride? Just for the joy of riding. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about was we've talked about some of the We've had that conversation about some of the best motorcycles. If you're yeah. running low on beer, you still got Tennessee apple whiskey. Oh, yes. I can sir. go get you an umbrella and a straw. Nah, we'll just, we'll just fricking white trash
0: it and drink it straight out of the bottle.
1: Okay. So, but what we haven't talked about, was, uh, some of the most iconic motorcycles that define the seventies.
0: The seventies. Well, that's,
1: that's my wheelhouse. I yeah. Mean.
0: LSD. Shrooms. Sure. That That's the, Oh, different journeys, different rides. Different okay.
1: journeys. That's right. Okay. So I got to thinking, what are some of the best motorcycles? Ones that were really iconic. I mean, maybe they weren't the best. Does that makes sense? Maybe in perspective
0: of what the time was, but what I'm taking out of what you're asking is... What's the most iconic bikes of the '70s that kind of changed motorcycling or really helped it? Or yeah,
1: yeah, when you
0: think 1970s, granted I wasn't alive then, so what was it that changed and what were the bikes in the? Well, 70s? you'd have to
1: start out with, uh, I mean, any list per se that you might have, if you didn't start out with the CB 750, and we're not going to beat a Fuck dead around, horse,
0: dude. Yes, yeah,
1: we're not going to. We've talked about that at nauseum, so, but that would be number one. So yes. that's uh, a mention 750. <laughs> Let's move on. Do we have to though? That's such a badass bike. It's such a great bike. Oh, it still is. I
0: typically it's it, my go-to bike. And if you had a
1: a, a, an original 69 or 70 mm. uh, the single overhead, yeah. And you have one now, it's worth a hell of a lot more money than it was back then. Well, you got to speak think, think
0: relative term back then, what was it retail fifteen sixteen hundred bucks, and now they're bringing four or five grand for a pristine one.
1: Oh no, listen, I saw one uh nineteen sixty nine it was a little bit four seventy, but when they first came out on Mikam auto auctions the other day, uh they had a motorcycle special, yeah, and that son of a gun went for sixty five thousand dollars sixty five g's sixty five g's everything on it was stock, everything on it was original,
0: Wow. and it
1: looked like it just rolled off the factory floor. Wow,
0: man. Hats off to the dude that owned that for it, not even the, the, it. Even the, the,
1: the seat. I mean, it's like the, wow. guy, it's like the guy bought it and uh, put, it put shrink wrap <laughs> around it or something and put it in a, a you know. Freaking time capsule. Yeah. And then uh, unloaded it for the auction. So, I mean, uh, that's not typical, but. No. Still, it tells you what the possibilities no. are. To Maybe me, I'd like taking those bikes and turning them into cafe bikes.
0: Oh yeah, that bike eh, probably not. But yeah, a CB 750,
1: no, 750? the
0: 750s, yeah, yeah. You know, we I, there was a time where I was finding those things left and right, them out in weeds and barns, leaned up against an old shit stacked pile of tires or whatever. Like I loved those bikes. Surprisingly, Absolutely, the
1: ones that are worth more. Are the 500, the 550, the 400, and the CB350 all four cylinders? I don't know why either. That CB350? Mm hmm. The, the, their tiny little four cylinder? Yeah. Worth a mint if you have one.
0: That's crazy. I've had a 550 before, cammed it, put a Gustavus and racing fairing on it. Like it was a was it fun ass little ride. Oh, yeah, it was fun. You know, it goes back to when you could ride a fast bike slow or a slow bike fast. And yeah. I guarantee you take that slow bike riding it fast. You know? Yeah. Having the feeling of riding it pinned everywhere you go is so much funner than having a 200 mile an hour bike and, and riding it at like 120 miles an hour.
1: Yeah. And you weren't taxing the bike.
0: Yeah. Like that's eh.
1: All right. So, so we'll get off of
0: that. We'll get off of that.
1: We'll get off of that because we have beat that horse to death. Uh, what do you think? There's a Triumph Trident 750.
0: I could see the seventies.
1: The triumphs were still big business. I mean, they were waning in their popularity because
0: of Uh, the Japanese
1: bikes that were coming into, into the market. But still, I mean, at the time, the triumphs were considered super bikes. They were Ducati's things like that.
0: I think that comes from being in the fifties and the sixties with a lot of the cafe clubs. That's what they ran were those bikes, you know, cafe racing started, the the time that those Norton BSA triumph, like that's what everybody was on for those. Here's bikes. a pop
1: quiz for you. You know what cafe meant?
0: Hey, yeah, you race from one cafe to the next cafe. Yeah. In England. Yeah.
1: That's exactly what it was.
0: Yeah, and there was all the dudes with their leather jackets and all their studded shit and clipped on stuff and yeah. pins and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they would race from yeah. one cafe to the next England greasers is what it was, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, but the, I think that's why they're part of that in the 70s is just because of their history, the, the previous, you know, 20 years, 15, 20 years. Now, if you really put that stack... People like to make
1: choppers out of those triumphs too. Yeah, which cracked me
0: up. It really did. When you could have a panhead or a knucklehead, why are you throwing that tiny ass little trident 750 in there?
1: I don't know. They just... Because they,
0: in the they, 70s, they It's what cool, they had. I guess... I've seen so many CB750 choppers. Like, I'm like, come on guys. Like that's, my Harley heart says, that's not a freaking chopper. Like, yeah, you got to stretch. It says that, but you look
1: at it and if it's done right, you go, that's cool. It's neat is what I think. Not to Uh, the cool status. It's
0: just neat. It's neat. That's cool. That's neat. Yeah. Okay. Cool. To me, was freaking sugar bear front end on a, on a, you know, what would be cool.
1: Then you, obviously people are listening. They don't know, but. I was in your shop yesterday, or the day before, or the day before. Some guy rolled in a engineless chopper. Oh yeah. What would be cool is to leave it just the way it was and slap in a knucklehead. So, in theory, yes. He brings this in.
0: He holds it's like an old
1: sixty-style chopper. It was like a, it was a Triumph frame, is what it was. Is it? Yeah. I big, didn't know because it didn't have an engine in it. It was
0: a big twelve-over twisted front end. Um, Triumph frame, coffin tank, king-queen seat, you know, drum brake rear wheel. Like, it looked amazing. But then he also drags in this 2003 uh, Sportster 1200 engine. He's like, hey, I want you to put this engine in that frame. I'm he like, did
1: not. Yeah, I
0: said, dude, like... I'm good, but we're going to have to rework the entire frame because this frame isn't even that great. It's the not, way it yeah,
1: going. it's not even fit for Raleigh. Uh, for yeah, yeah, so
0: that's a sidebar of what we're doing with that project. But it's
1: what we do well. But it's
0: the kid that works for me, little freaking hippie-ass kid. Like he was in love with it just by the frame, the tank, and the stands.
1: Yeah, because he he made it a point to walk over to me and point at it and go, and say, hey, I want that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So right, back on topic. Back on topic. Uh, another one on my list BMW R90S. You have yeah. one of these in your shop or something similar uh, to Yeah, it. I've
0: got an R80S, r R80s. Little cafe style. Yeah,
1: yeah. So for my limited
0: knowledge on the situation, I don't know why they're freaking in there. They're reliable is about all I can say. It's neat. The engine design is cool. At the time, it wasn't cutting edge. They didn't perform. They didn't handle. Aesthetically, they were just kind of eh, blase. But for some reason, everybody focuses around that, the flipping BMW R80, R90, all that stuff. I didn't really think that they were that great at performing bikes, they weren't kicking anyone's ass in a drag race. They weren't really killing the turns or anything, but they were just a good, well-built bike. Yeah. And that was really about it.
1: So another one on the list is a Ducati 750 SS. Came out in 72. It's a V-twin, also a cafe yeah. style. Yeah. So that's... Now that's a cool bike. I don't care who you are. That's It's, it's so different. It's cool. Uh, yes.
0: There's another... That bike and another bike is what comes to mind.
1: And it was being, a weird looking V twin too. Yeah. It's the front
0: cylinder is like flat and horizontal with the ground. Yeah.
1: Pointed straight out. And then the back cylinder is tilted up like a normal V twin. Yeah.
0: It almost, if you really looked at it and you didn't notice the, the front cylinder being flat with the bottom of the frame, you would think it was just the same pitch and same design as like their inline twos and inline fours of the Hondas. Right. But it was cool because it made flipping power. Like it was a hot ass little bike right out of the gate Had a lot of cafe inspiration. Had a little fairing on the front with a bubble screen. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, flat seat pan with a little bubble rear fender. Like, it was cool because it made, it basically made, hey, look, I ain't here for show. Like, we're going to run. That, and there was another bike, which I inherently hate these motorcycles for whatever. It was a Suzuki, gosh, RS650 or 750, something like that, or a DS or something like that. And what I thought was really iconic for that particular bike is the way that it looked, it looked like it was 10 years newer than what it was. So, in the 80s, the body, the rear tail section, the tank, the fairing, that bike looks like what they produced in the 80s. And that came out in the mid-70s. So, that's right. what I'm like, whoa, you know, that's, that's pretty cutting edge. It's kind of ahead of its times. Outside of that, eh, I think maybe it was a GS. I think it's a GS, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a GS, like, 650 or something, or GS750. The tail section just looks so much newer than what everything else was being produced.
1: Well, I've got another bike that I have ridden on many occasions, and I've never owned it, but I've ridden one. And it is a wildly cool bike to ride. It's the Guzzi Le Mans 850. Yeah. Again, another cafe style. Uh, it was out in 76. Uh, and Dad Gun, what I remember from riding this, a uh, lot of torque,
0: ridiculous for what it was,
1: and they sound really cool.
0: Yeah, so that actually, not to not to pimp Honda, that's where Honda, that's why Honda did their CX five hundred. You think so? Because of that engine platform and that engine design that they had had. Well, they they look a lot alike. They're very very similar, and I want to say is, I mean Moto Guzzi when they came out with that, like they freaking stole a lot of business. And they were hitting, they were running good, had immense amount of torque. You know, you're coming off of the cafe period in motorcycle history. So a lot of guys were still on the tail ends of that and really thinking cafe is the way to go. So I really think that it's very iconic because there was a lot of brains that were like, oh shit, well, maybe we got to, we got to do what they're doing, you know? But they were the ones and Moto Guzzi still uses that engine design. So I
1: had a buddy and uh, he had this, by I think he still owns it. The 850 Moto Guzzi, exactly stock. And he rode his and I had a a twin cam CB750.
0: We rode that son of
1: a bitches uh, across uh, Colorado, all through Colorado, Arizona, uh, New Mexico. Let me just give you a little tip. Never. (laughs) Just the tip. (laughs) Ever get on a motorcycle and ride across northern Arizona in the hottest part of summer in the middle of the day, <laughs> like okay. through the Navajo nation. Yeah. First of all, it's hot. It's searing hot. And there's hot. N- searing hot and there's nothing out there. When you run across a little restaurant or a place to get gas, you, you run in. Stop. <laughs> it's exactly like that movie. I don't know if you've ever saw it, Wild Hogs, where they <laughs> they go into the cafe and just slug down. beer, yeah. Yeah. It, that's not a good thing to do. We rode that uh, Moto Guzzi and uh, the Honda. Uh, the next morning, we went, got up, and went through Monument Valley as the sun was rising. Very cool. To this cool. day, I can't recall a more awe-inspiring ride huh. um, than than the Monument Valley with the sun coming up. Monument Valley
0: is cool on its own right. Yeah. But at that particular time of day, like I could see how that would
1: be. Really right, and amazing. the purpose wasn't to see the sun come up. The purpose was to get through there before the heat from the day before. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, shit. Screw it that. It was
0: probably 110 degrees in the high part of the day, but then yeah. you do that right in the morning and it's probably 60s. Yeah,
1: it relatively. was great. Yeah. So let's look at another bike. The Kawasaki Z1000 came Ooh, out in 77. Yes. That's just a flat ass cool bike.
0: The Z1000 put them on the map, in my opinion. So you, in that time, everyone's thinking Honda CB750, like that's that's the killer, right? Yeah. The Kawasaki had their um, uh, ZX650, I think, and then they had a 750. Then they come out with that Z1000 and the Z1000R and the Z1000LTD. You had a monster of an engine. Produced 90 horsepower. At the time, that's a freaking That's big business. Ton. And truthfully, which it's a four-cylinder, and I'm a Harley guy. Harley didn't really break that hundred horsepower mark until as of late, with their M8s. You know, even their twin cam 103s and stuff, they weren't breaking that near hundred mark on horsepower.
1: No, or but torque, you know, rather. it. The thing uh, touted a top speed of 132 miles an hour. Now that may not sound like much by today's standards, but in the '70s, and you're on a naked standard bike. And you're cruising down the road at 132 miles an hour. Yes. Yeah, your hair's standing up. Yes,
0: with shit tires, shit brakes, bad valving suspension. Like, yeah. I actually own one of those bikes. Mine's a little newer than that. Actually, no, mine's a, mine's a 1979. So I own a 1979 KZ1000R, 1000, um, Z1R is what it is. One owner, 4,300 original stock. miles. Stock.
1: Do you still have it? Yeah, sit in my garage at my house bring it on over here for a while <laughs> okay another bike a yamaha rd 350 but this you know they had the twin cylinder two cycle rds uh-huh. and uh this is a twin cylinder two cycle rd but the thing is it was water cooled
0: yeah that was what made that one iconic. i thought
1: those rd uh 250s and 350s were badass bikes but a water cooled one mm-hmm. uh, that it kind of breaking the mold there
0: truthfully that's what puts them is iconic in that time period it's because no one else was doing that that bike was okay in my opinion yeah it it was exactly what it was it doesn't get my goat like it didn't get me excited because they were trying out water-cooled you got to put them up there
1: yeah so i think another bike that's uh gets honorable mention is a suzuki gs 750 from 77 they're kind of going after the uh honda cb 750 the uh Kawasaki KZ900. They kind of got that styling. I never really liked it because it was weird.
0: This Suzuki GS is more of a metal take, flat back, right? Right. Metal fenders. Standard stock. Yeah. yeah.
1: uh, Naked bike. Well, here's the thing. Like, Suzuki sucks, in my opinion. They really do. I had a good Suzuki. The GS1100. Yeah. Rode the piss out of it.
0: This is what's tough for me. is in the 70s and the 80s. In my opinion, they were flat garbage. Hated the GS line, like those early model GS stuff. Then go into the early, mid 90s, and then get into the 2000s, like the Suzuki GSXR, those GS models, those are amazing bikes. But when they first came out, like I could not stand a GS.
1: Yeah, I mean, in fact, the GS1100 engine is still one of the most popular mm-hmm. drag bike. Yeah, uh, motors out there. Yeah, for a fact, but it didn't get
0: there until when? Eighties, nineties? Yeah, late eighties, mid, 80s? mid
1: and late eighties. Yeah.
0: So those first models, I thought that I thought they were just playing catch up and copycat. Never liked them.
1: Well, there's two bikes left on my list. Okay. And uh, one of them is the holy grail for me personally. Okay. Okay.
0: I know where you're going with that, and the I think Kawasaki I know, H2, H2, seven fifty. Yep.
1: 750. yep. I saw that again on Mika Moto auction. They had like six or seven of them back to back to back. Wow. Not a single one went for less than 25 grand.
0: Man, that's crazy.
1: So I don't see one in my future.
0: Yeah, probably not. Not like that. I saw an engine on the other day, an H2 engine going for about 1500 bucks. Maybe you can get that.
1: <laughs> There's a guy on YouTube that takes those H2 bikes and turns them into four cylinders.
0: Holy crap.
1: And you can watch him split the case and everything on YouTube. Yeah, and uh, it's manufacture amazing.
0: all of his own stuff. I guess. Yeah. Man, here is the thing. This is where I get a kicky in the dick. That H two shitty bike.
1: It, sucks. it was. It a was garbage but still. bike.
0: The only thing it had going for it is an immense amount of power out of a three cylinder two stroke take no, that away you're not
1: kicking me in the dick because i had i had one i know it was a shitty bike yeah. but the nostalgia of it is what turns me on yeah. and the fact that it was so wildly dangerous yes in the day let's face it If you rode one of those to its potential, you were a badass, (laughs) without a doubt. Or stupid, in my case, (laughs) you're eating
0: paint chips, or you got cojones the size
1: of the Rockies. Yeah, one or the other, and probably both.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, I mean, it was a flat ass garbage bike. Aside from making a tremendous amount of power for what it
1: was, great for the EPA too.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure. So, I'm sure.
1: But there's nothing that gets me excited much more than hearing a good two-stroke engine.
0: Oh, well-tuned two-stroke. Yeah. Holy shit. They're with fun. some
1: quality expansion chambers on it and stuff. they
0: freaking fun. So. I will hit you up with what's the last one. And again, this is my least favorite motorcycle of all time, personally. But I understand what it's done for well, the gonna, industry. Let's, let's
1: just test you. I, I've already got it lined out. Tell me what you think. This
0: is what it is. It's the introduction of the Honda Goldwing in the 70s. Goldwings first start coming You know, out. I
1: don't care what they say. You're not nearly as stupid as you look. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but
0: like I said, I in the, like I just don't like those bikes. I've taken some of these 70s, this was, early keep 80s. Keep in mind
1: visually, this was back when the Honda Goldwing was... Um, it was stripped down. A standard bike. Yeah, there was there no There was fairing, no fairing or yeah. bags or anything like that. Yeah. It was just... Still,
0: hate that motorcycle. Look like a
1: CB750 with a Goldwing engine in it. Yeah.
0: Hate it. I mean, the idea is there and you could see the seed being planted. You know, it's a four-cylinder, shaft drive, smooth. Them starting out with that, like, that is the best thing that Honda ever did. The CB model was killer in my mind. The best thing they could have ever done for their brand was produce that Goldwing. Yeah. You just get young. Well, it was the beginning of something
1: huge. Probably the the, the most, I don't know, iconic motorcycle ever made.
0: I have to agree with you that over time, you know, that's probably hands down the best motorcycle ever produced is the Honda Goldwing.
1: Yeah. So, well, let's wrap it up there because I'm old and I'm ready for my nap. <laughs> murder she wrote's getting ready murder to come she on. wrote yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways we appreciate you tuning in and listening to the podcast i hope we have something to say that might interest you if we didn't well we'll try better next time but until then always keep it on the road and keep it on two wheels